Are you ready to vibe? You're listening to Creepy Vibes Only. Please work. Oh, God. <laughs> Every time it's just like a terrible nightmare. And I pray to you. I'm glad to see nothing changes. Everything stays the same. Oh my God, my heart. <laughs> Rip. We're off to a good start for October. <laughs> Jesus. Hey, it's in the like it's in the vibes, right? Spooky season. <laughs> it's fine. Don't be concerned. Oh, I just closed my notes. I don't need those. I can oh, just no. go by. Yeah, who needs <laughs> who needs to know what they're talking about? Not me. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. <laughs> Lewis was like the last two nights, he's like, you don't need to sleep. We can just <laughs> stare at each other into the night while I squat in the backyard eight times a night. It's really good. Oh my god. <laughs> it's fine. Oh. I don't cry Milo didn't really care about me when I he was arrived. like later. He's like, oh, you're here. Nice. He's like, Grandpa and I have been having a great time. I don't know why you're yeah. back. He's like, oh, Grandma's <laughs> here though. That's exciting. <laughs> Mother? Regards. <laughs> oh my god, what a little butt. How was Montreal? It was fun. It was a lot of fun. The picture's still it's... supposed to look so cute. Yeah. <laughs> we had, like, we ate great. Like, oh, we tried a bunch of different restaurants. Food was amazing. Went to a spa. That was a lot of fun. Then we did some shopping today. Ooh, where'd um, you go shopping? Uh, Carrefour Laval. Mm-hmm. Had a big mall. Love that place. Mm-hmm. It was so packed. You... Oh, wow. How'd you feel? Yeah, it was crazy. It was weird. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, I haven't been in a crowd in 1,500 mm-hmm. years. It was really weird. There's a lot of kids, too. We're like, why? Why is there so many children around? <laughs> children, where did you come from? Shouldn't you be at home doing your homework? Oh, my God. I'm so jealous. Montreal is, like, one of my favorite cities. And when you're like, I'm going to my shows, like, how dare you? <laughs> so it's like, I'm going with my daughters. I'm like, what about me, Syl? <laughs> I have one, too. <laughs> Yeah, they're still at home. You're missing one. <laughs> so much FOMO. Fun. Oh my god. We also did that. Um, so there's like, you know how Vin Marie used to be like that first village in Montreal started off of? Yes. And they found the ruins like a while ago. Oh. Uh, yeah, so there's like a museum that you, it's like built on top of it. So you go into like the basement and you walk around the ruins of what used to be the village. Oh shit, that's super cool. Yeah. That was really cool. Did it feel haunted? I bet you there's good ghosts. No, because we like got there and there's like seven sites that you need to see. So the girl, mm-hmm. we're, like, we're there at four. It closes at five. So the lady, she's like, oh, okay. Uh, so she's like, it's four o'clock. You have an hour. So like, you need to rush. Oh, shit. Okay. So we're like breezing through it, really going fast, <laughs> trying to like see everything, sweating because there's a bunch of people in there too. So it's hot. <laughs> we finish at 4.30. Oh, it took a half hour as you're like speed walking. Like, let's go. 
And one of them was closed too. So we're like, what? <laughs> the fuck? But it was really cool. I sure okay. what they did. Mm-hmm. You'll have to bring me. I'm so jealous that you got to yes. go and eat all the food because it has like the best food in the world. Montreal uh, we just to... never misses. What was it? Esconcit? They had the best tacos ever. Is that the ever. place that had the cool neon sign that you posted? Yeah. Okay, yeah. what did it say again? Uh, send nudes and tacos. 10 out of 10. I'll have to get that. <laughs> yes. For my house. <laughs> put it at the front. <laughs> yeah, just gaze upon it like that's exactly it. Send nudes and tacos. <laughs> One without the other is just not, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. the full gamut. <laughs> I'm so jealous. Right. Well, Stephanie. Yeah, that's it. Have Ooh, you been enjoying this? Oh, so go ahead. Uh, 29 days till Halloween? Y- yes. I can't do no. math. I don't know why you're asking me. Yes. No. So, it's, it's the third. So 28 days? I don't know. I just posted this morning. What did I post this morning? Yeah. You, you Let me check this morning when you did the math. Yeah. So we are matching it because for the listeners out there that don't follow us, 28 days. Um, so go check out our Instagram because we've decided to do a countdown up to Halloween and every day we're going to post a Halloween theme movie. So Yeah, and you'll know who suggested it by whether or not it's going to scar you. <laughs> if it's a kid's movie, it's Emma. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I would never post anything horrifying. Oh, we should have posted 28 days later today. Next oh, year. That? Oh, it's so no, good. I'm not seeing it's... it. <laughs> I don't know why you thought I was going to suggest that. I would never. <laughs> okay, so for, for staff and those of you who haven't seen it, like, what are you doing? Uh, it's a <laughs> horror movie, and this like guy wakes up from a coma, kind of like how The Walking Dead starts off. Okay. And it's 28 days later from when he went into a coma, so four weeks. And there's been, like, a zombie plague, because it's always a zombie plague. But these zombies don't just, like, mm. <laughs> I don't know why they're cows, but they don't just, like, <laughs> shovel slowly the way zombies, like, uh, do in, like, most uh, depictions. They fucking run. Oh, fuck. Like, they're runners. They are track stars. <laughs> like, hauling <laughs> like, ass to, like, straight up murder. Like, imagine, like, a Doberman, like, the kind of dog. Like, that's uh-huh. if, like, these zombies are the equivalent to like a doberman if like regular zombies were like a disgusting no yeah it's it's great it's a great movie watch it enjoy it cry i just watch you know halloween town hocus pocus that's my shit can i be can i be controversial i don't like hocus pocus okay well i don't like it i don't know i just find it boring good i love everyone in it like, there isn't a single person who is in it that I'm not, like, love them and everything they do. Except Hocus Pocus I can't get into. Apparently there's a sequel. Probably won't watch it. Yeah, it's coming. Yeah. Well, like, I don't know. I don't know if it's coming. They keep confirming and then they're like, jokes. And then they come back. They're like, actually, yeah. And they're like, no. <laughs> it's like, for fuck's sake. Stop <laughs> playing games with Stephanie's heart. <laughs> it's really oh, good. It's cute. Like, is it, does it be Harry Potter? Hell no. But it's a cute, okay, like, what does? Halloween movie. Puts you in the theme, you know? It does. Okay, would you say <laughs> Harry Potter is, like, a Halloween movie, or is it just, like, an all-year-round movie? Because, like, year it's round. magic. 
okay. multiple times a year when you have a bad day just put it on and you're sick just watch every- yeah just like binge them all the time yeah <laughs> <laughs> when's it not mechanical oh did you uh look at our analytics lately no today we have reach india <gasps> hello india <laughs> we love you welcome yeah. that's so exciting i know <laughs> is that our first asian country um, yes, yes, yes. <gasps> welcome exciting oh my god <laughs> that's so exciting we love you welcome yes stick around very happy that you're here perfect time of year to yeah. join us truly exactly it's our time <laughs> oh my god that literally just like made my day good <laughs> can't even tell you that's amazing mm-hmm Okay, I actually have no idea what you're even covering this week, and I've been wondering all week. You're gonna love this. Alrighty. I'm excited. Okay, lay it on me. So, yeah. So, I am talking about Black Eyed Kids. (gasps) Yes! (laughs) I love this. I love how you found... Mm -hmm. Oh, sorry. I won't keep going because I don't want to give anything away. I'm, I'm so excited. So basically, I'm going to give like a general what they are. And then I'm going to talk about, I got about one, two, three, four, five, six stories. Okay. Uh, yeah. So this time around, I am going to shout out my references. Because there's three main uh, like documentary slash podcasts that I've listened to to help out. Uh, in addition to the uh, internet. So a great episode, um, Fear Escape Podcast. They've posted an episode on Black Eyed Kids in October 2020. Really great episode. And one of our very favorite podcasts as well, and that's why we drink, also did a great episode on them. Royalty. (laughs) True royalty. I don't remember which episode it is, but I'll uh, add it to the notes. And if ever people, we can add it to show notes or we'll have it marked down. So if ever people want to know. Just shoot us a message and we'll tell you where to go. Yay. And I've watched also a um, documentary on Black, Black Eyed Kids from Monstrum. It's a PBS uh, documentary. So it's really cool. And what that, that documentary is really cool because they like gave all the lore, but also explain the like skeptic, skeptic friendly side of it too. Oh, I love that. Yes, it's really, really cool. So Black Eyed Children. Um, also, I may at one point just call them BKs because it's shorter. Uh, and then I don't tend to say black eyed peas. Okay. I was going to say, I was trying to find a way in. Every time I hear black eyed kids, I immediately think of Fergie yeah. just like bopping around in the background. <laughs> Not she could be one of them. Anthem. We just don't know. <laughs> oh, God, Fergie. Someone go get All right. So. Black eyed kids are, they're basically, we don't know what they are. So they're creatures that are, they take on the appearance of children between the age of six and 16. Usually when you see them, you see a pair of them. So you'll see a younger kid and then an older one. The older one is the one that takes car- charge, does the talking. The younger kid more silent. A lot of people think that the younger kid is there to like make you feel comfortable. Because uh, if in teenager will just come up to you randomly talk to you you're like more likely going to ignore the teenager versus a duo with a small child totally um so 
in the stories, the penny, the ones I picked, they're all basically like when they describe them, they're wearing like hoodies, like something that like obscures their faces, but it's modern hooded clothes. But there's also been people reporting them wearing some very old Victorian clothes that just doesn't fit the era. So you know, oh. both spectrum. Some are better at espionage than others. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, and they're often seen panhandling. Uh, either going to door door to door or trying to hitchhike. So the one thing that makes them creepy, um, they're just kind of they're they're weird. So they all act or speak like typical children, and that's where they'll start talking. That's where you see you kind of like the bells start ringing because they're like something's off. Their speech is either mechanical, it's out, or it just sounds like what they're saying has been like very heavily rehearsed. Um, and also sometimes they just they just use words or say things that just normally don't work. So that's like one of the cues or clues that you get that like, hmm, may not be human. Your little spidey sense is just tingling. Yeah. Uh, and basically when they talk to you, they, they keep asking for help and keep insisting. They want to either get in to where you are. They want to get in your car, get in your house. They're trying to be in an isolated out of the public into like a private setting with you. And they keep asking, and at, at first they're very innocent, like, oh, may I use your phone, or may I do this, may I do that? But the more you refuse, they start insisting, they start becoming aggressive, and then that's where they reveal their completely black eyes. So no iris, no pupils, just like black eyes. Oh. And at that point, um, that's where also people either, once they realize the eyes, of course, like before sheer terror, um, but they also, that's where like, there's kind of a spell that kind of breaks. Cause before that you kind of feel hypnotized and you'll see when I tell some of the stories, it makes sense. Um, where it seems like they have that ability to mind control you, but it's not Ew. strong enough. So yeah. So you'll, you'll like, they'll be at your door being like, Oh, can you please unlock the door? And without realizing you're starting to unlock the door and, uh, what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> what Jesus. Is I hate that. <laughs> Listen, bodily autonomy. Don't fuck with it. Black-eyed kids. Wait, are you not hearing what I'm hearing? That's weird. What? What? I'm sure like banging and shit. Is that Milo at, at your door? <laughs> <laughs> there was banging and it was Milo. Milosh, you love your mother. He's going to want to leave in a second. Okay. He He's here for a good uh, time, not for a long time. Exactly. So basically, um, yeah, so they like put you in a trance and they mesmerize you and then you just boom, see the black eyes and it like cuts the spell. Um, also, some people say that they reveal the eyes to be like aggressive and intimidating and hope that like you're so scared you do what they want them to do. Um, usually when they come and visit you, there's usually not long lasting effects. But in all of the stories, people have found that the longer they spend time with you, the more bad luck you get. So some people have uh, sadly reported either like extreme periods of bad luck, their family pets have died afterwards, they've discovered cancer. Like there's just a wide range of things that have happened. And usually with those stories, they've stayed, like kids have stayed with them for longer than just the two minutes it takes you to like haul your ass out of there. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. One super interesting thing about this is that these stories... So, the first... Some people say that the stories started in the 80s. Uh, 
our first real story was in 98. But the interesting thing about this is that there's stories all around the world. And in a time that, like, the internet had just started. It's not like people could easily, you know, like, it's not like today where you just, like, hashtag it and then, like, people can take it over. And now today it's a creepypasta and everyone makes their up their own story. And, like, at that point, you had to really look for it. And it was hard to kind of, like, spread around your stories and find similar stories in that time. So that's yeah. what people find even more interesting. Yeah, because, like, search engines and stuff just weren't that sophisticated back then. No. So you just, like, happened to stumble upon a story that was similar to yours. Whereas now, you just, super easy. You Google, Probably. hashtag, whatever, it, you can find a bajillion stories within a second. God, like, on Reddit alone. <laughs> hmm So that's basically the gist of what Black Eyed Kids are. Let's get to the creepy part. <laughs> okay, so that was all very nice and normal. <laughs> Some children with like black marbles for eyes will come and make me get out of my car and it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so our my first story is uh from the, in 1988 from Brian Bethel. So Bethel is a journalist in Abilene, Texas, and his name is very popular in the like kids trope. Um because he's apparently one of the most one of the first accounts. That's what people attribute to him. He's a multiple interviews and he till this day will say that it happened he fully believes it wasn't like he doesn't think it was kids with like contacts trying to mess with him he like he fully things were things and not humans so oh my god one night he uh needed to go mail some letters so he basically drove to an old theater to use the marquee lights to fill out his documents and as he's working on his paperwork in his car it's chilling two young boys of the ages of nine and 14 just kind of like approach his car out of nowhere. So Bethel describes the first one as a olive skin, black curly hair, young man. And the other one as a red headed pale skin, freckle young man. And they both were wearing hooded shirts. He doesn't think they were, sorry, Milo wants to leave now. Oh, me dosh. Goodbye. <laughs> he doesn't think they were related. They just kind of were chilling together. So they show up to his window on um, the driver's side and he like cracks down uh, Roseanne's window just to leave a crack to ask them what they want. And the boys ask Bethel for help. They say that they really want to see the Mortal Kombat movie. Money and they need a ride to their mother's house. So Bethel kind of like felt a weird vibe of it. And he, uh, told, he told them basically, well, the movie already started. By the time we get there, we come back. You're not going to be here on time. Um, no, sorry, can't help you. The, um, um, come on, mister, we just need help to get to her mother. We're just two little kids. Pauses, and then he says, come on, mister, we can't get into your car until you invite us in. The (gasps) Bethel. (laughs) Fucking vampire children? The fuck? Yes. Um, and at that point, Bethel noticed that, like, he was in the process of unlocking the doors. And the second he realized, he stopped. Um, and he looked at them, and that's when he saw the black eyes. Um, so he just, at that point, is terrified, starts panicking. And then the kids, once they've sized him, they start getting aggressive. So they're banging on the windows and pulling at the door um, handle. And then they say, come on, mister, you have to let us in. It's not like we have a gun. 
Oh my Bethel, God. Yes. Bethel, when he was recounting this, he said that to him, trying to convince him, it was them implying that they didn't need a gun to get what they wanted. Yeah, um, like I find that so th- much more threatening than me yeah. not saying it. Mm-hmm. So then at this point, he basically pulls his car, puts his car in reverse, gets out of there, speeds off. And then when he looks in his rearview mirror to where they should be, and they were in a big parking lot, right? Completely disappeared. No one there. So that's story number one. <laughs> okay, but like, if you're talking to someone and they like have completely black eyes, would you not notice that right away? <laughs> well, like he, I so guess, like, one of the stories, doing. like they say, like they're wearing like hoodies or their hair yeah. is in their eyes and they kind of, they're looking down and they're not making it obvious. Yeah, I guess that's true. Mm-hmm. And they, Ugh. from the stories you'll see, they start showing their eyes the second that they don't like after you refuse a few times and they get mad at you, that's where they show you. Now I know to piss off children right away every time I talk to them, <laughs> so I know faster. Or you just go my way. Never help anyone. Never. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ryan and I were talking about that recently. He was like, I was glad you'd save us. And I was like, yeah, you know, Steph's slept for herself. <laughs> She's like, right, she's a track star. <laughs> Not even like, excuse me, miss. Nope. Nope. <laughs> Not today, Satan. <laughs> See you like hustling down the street. Like, no, 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 no. I no. don't speak your language. I gotta go. <laughs> Same what? Aviato? Oh my All right, god. Now we're going to I uh, in August 28th, December August 28th, 2006 in uh, the Denver area. Um, so I'm gonna take bits and pieces of like the quotes from the story, but I'm gonna try to um just, like say it. Um, so this lady, she was leaving the mall one afternoon. Okay. And, you're gonna love this. So basically, she explained that she had <laughs> she went shopping the afternoon and then she left and she had group she had passed from the doors a group of teenager in a group of what she calls wearers of black. Okay, none. I think love she's it. talking about. I think she's talking about goths. Okay, <laughs> wearers of say. black. Okay, and this comes often. That's why I had to mention it. <laughs> okay, so the so she passes. Perfect. Yeah, she passes these wearers of black and these uh, group of teenager, and she's walking by, but she noticed two kids are apart from the group. One that is, again, younger and looks to be around the ages of 10, and one that is older, 14. Um, and she just noticed that they were apart and their body language was different from the other teens that were around. So it just kind of sees them, crosses the street, and as she is completely on the other side. She looks back and she sees the two kids completely staring, like just staring straight at her. And she said at that moment, sheer dread just went through her. And she described it as a shock of looking at evil. So in her mind, she's like, fuck no. So she starts picking up the pace and going towards her car. And as she's walking towards her car, the oldest one screams out, miss. Uh, And she said that the kid's tone was pleading. So she thought it was odd. And then without realizing, it made her slow down. So she slowed down her pace, but then the second she like realized that she was slowing down, she picked up her pace again. So she starts walking faster, and then she looks back at the kids that are now following her, and teenagers and wears a black that are at the door, and everyone just like is watching the scene. Not certain about what's happening, but she could sense that they were uncomfortable with what they were seeing. 
she keeps awesome. walking. Yeah. Uh, and then she looks back at the kids again and she knows that they've gained a lot of ground on her. <laughs> again, ma'am, please. And as he's pretty close, she turned to look at him and that's when she saw that his eyes were completely black. She said that his eyes were like black pits. And she also looked at the other one and that's when she saw that the other kid also had completely black eyes. So she started running. They ran after her um and she got to her car managed to get inside lock the door and they were at the front of the car at that point they had almost caught up to her and she said at this point they're screaming at her and they weren't pleading anymore they were angry and they're like screaming trying to get her attention uh banging on the door and she managed to just she like she, the lady was funny she's like i basically didn't even care if someone was like walking in the parking lot she's like i didn't even look i reversed i sped out of there she's like i did not stop speeding until i got to my house and oh even when God. she got home yeah when she got home she sat in her garage for 10 minutes unsure and one thing she ended her story saying i don't know how to convey the absolute sheer evil that i felt from those two kids and what makes this like creepier is that like she didn't even talk to them and they just like, were she like, misses or ma'am or whatever. Yeah. They're just running after her. And like, she didn't like, it's not like with Bethel where he had a conversation with them and he's like, oh fuck, like these kids are off. Yeah. Like 100%. She, just, just their vibes gave her that clue of like, something's wrong. Would you say they were creepy vibes? <laughs> oh yes, they were. <laughs> <laughs> See what I and did then- there? Very funny. <laughs> And then during this, like, while she was recounting the story, she's like, one thing I remember saying is, I'm not going to end up in the news tonight. And she kept, like, repeating this in her head while running away from these two kids. Oh, my God. Yeah. But it gets creepier with story number three. Oh, good. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I don't know where this is from. And I don't have a time. I just have a story. Love it. Mystery. (laughs) Your word. (laughs) So uh, basically, this uh, woman, she was sleeping at night with her husband and their daughter that was in the room with them as well, who was toddler, a toddler. Um, and she's woken up by her dog barking at their bedroom door. So tries to calm the dog, tell him to, like, you know, go to bed, shut up, everything's fine. But dog keeps going, going, going. So in her mind, she says, you know what, I'm just going to open the door, show him that there's nothing. Opens the door, dog races to the front door and starts snarling at the door. So she's like, okay, weird. She goes to like to the door, still feels like very like um calm at that point. She doesn't know what's happening. She goes to like touch the deadbolt, and her dog immediately starts cowering away from the door and whimpering. And that's where at that point she's calm. Suddenly she feels like very panicked. And something tells her just go and look for the people. And she does. Standing on the doorstep are two girls. One that looks to be around 16 and one that looks to be around the ages of three and four. 16-year-old has long hair and big eyes. And the 16-year-old, the three to four-year-old is behind her holding the hand of the the older one. And the one thing the woman notices is that the younger girl is holding a stuffed toy identical to the one that her daughter has. And also... She also has a dress that is very similar to what her daughter has. And that, like, gives her pause. But she 
smartly. It doesn't like she she's just looking, she doesn't understand what's happening. So basically, at this point, she's just looking. Her dog kind of stopped making noise. She didn't turn on the lights. She didn't do anything. She's just looking at people, didn't even touch the door. And suddenly the older girl says, We have to use your phone. Pause. Then she says, Our mother is worried. The lady doesn't answer at this point and just backs away. The girl then again says, just let us in to use your phone. She keeps backing away. And this whole point, like while she was asking, she, she was pleading. But now at this point, she changes to a commanding and hostile tone. She says, we're not going to hurt you. If we wanted to do that, we would have broken in. I'll guess again. Yeah, because that's definitely how you get people to cooperate is threats. <laughs> And she says, I'll guess again, may we come into your house and use your phone? Now, one thing I want to know this, because when I first read it, I was like, this must be a typo, but then it makes sense. When she says, I guess again, she, like, she's saying, I'll ask again. But again, like yeah. these kids don't really know how to talk. So it's like, like ding, ding, weird. ding. <laughs> Jesus Christmas. So when she says, I'll guess again, maybe we come into your house and use your job, her your phone, her dog starts snarling at the door. And the woman, she just like didn't even didn't say anything, just keeps walking away. And now when she says that, she's like walking away, and then she kind of stops and she like feels this feeling inside of her that's pulling her towards the door and letting them in. And she doesn't yeah. know why she has this feeling. And she like obviously like they're not that good at like mind controlling you because people notice it. And they yeah, don't do apparently. it. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> they need to work on that. <laughs> hey guys, come on. Perfect. But she's like, she found it weird that she like suddenly had that temptation of doing it. Hmm. So she goes back into her room, like covers like the windows, locks the door, and she just like sat in bed. Um, and she could hear the girl, even when she's in bed, keep calling her to come and open the door. And she said Ew. it went on for, yes, it went on for about, like, 15 minutes, and then she left. But the woman said, like, she did not sleep that night. She just sat there and waited for them to come back. Yeah, I would have pissed myself. Mm-hmm. No, like, what's gross about the story is that, like, how did she know she was at the door? Because, like, the dog, the dog barking could be anything, but she, like, specifically knew that the woman was looking at her for the people. The fuck? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, I mean, I'm not super familiar with people, so I'm pretty sure you can't see. You can only see one way, right? Yeah, you can't. I don't think you can see in. And the whole time she was looking down. Um, oh, I forgot to mention. She was, like, looking down with her bangs in the eyes. And then when she said the whole, like, we would have broken in, she looked up. Was it? There's a point where she looked up and she could see the eyes. And that's where she was like, fuck no. And she started back. She's like, away. no thanks. <laughs> I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> But like it's it was just very because like she said she's like I didn't open the door I didn't touch the door I didn't turn on the lights I didn't turn on any lights in the house for them to know there was movement inside of the house, but they knew. I just want to say I really appreciate that this woman and I have the same approach to answering our door when she's dealing with <laughs> black eyed kids as I do with like Jehovah's Witnesses. <laughs> I'm just like no. <laughs> I just like since we have i have the ring like we just like watch people show up and i'm like no thank you yeah same i'm like you know what thank you just leave it at the door <laughs> yeah. not sponsors could be uh we don't like to talk to people except for their, their podcast because it's a one-way communication source <laughs> <laughs> 
Christ. All right. There's an even more icky one. <laughs> Great. I'm so relieved. It just it gets better. This one, I do have a date. March 17th, okay. 2008. So. This girl, she was 12 years old at the time, and she was waiting in the car for her mom, who was at the hairdresser. She was inside the parked car, um, just chilling. And she had noticed on the sidewalk this boy just walking back and forth. And she felt like quickly glanced at him. She thought it was someone that she knew. So she banged on the windshield to get his attention. And we looked up, she's like, oh, awkward. Not someone I know. <laughs> Been there. So she just kind of hopes that he like fucks off. But he does not. He was going to say the story would just end. <laughs> and he didn't. <laughs> he walks over to her window and stares at her. And she, that's when she saw, because he was completely staring at her like during the day and just showed her his black eyes. And she said, when she recounted the story, she thinks he did it because he really wanted to scare me. Like it was intentional. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then he whispered, you must let me in. <laughs> no, 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 you do not have to be let in, sir. So she I just like, does a typical Seth response. She drops to the floor and hides <laughs> underneath like the space. And she just hopes that he leaves her alone. I'm convinced in a previous life you were a possum. <laughs> <laughs> just, you know, just I'm dead. <laughs> Don't come near me. I'm not alive. <laughs> I'm hiding. Goodbye. So she <laughs> hides for about like five minutes. Throughout, she was like peeking. was still there staring at her. So five minutes <laughs> later, she like peeks up and he's gone. So she like climbs out of her spot, <laughs> sits and waits for her mom. Her mom gets to the car and looks at her and said like something really weird happened in the salon. And the girl like still is like rattled and terrified. And she's like, yeah, so this little boy with, like, black eyes came into the salon and insisted I gave him the keys to the car, but I kept refusing, and he just left. What the fuck? (laughs) Yeah. I love how he knew there was a her mom, too. That's so gross. It's so gross. It's icky. No, Like, they were, like, park where there's a bunch of, like, businesses. Like, how did he know that, A, she's waiting for her mom, B, her mom was in the hairdresser, like that was her. He's just watching. He's like scoping out my next attack. Gonna kill you <laughs> in your car. Jesus. And no this thanks. was like in the afternoon, like day. Both of witnesses. He did not give a fuck. <laughs> like, sir, it's two o'clock on a Saturday. Can you not? <laughs> so, we're live our ready lives. for story. The next one. Story. The next one. Yes. I was like, I don't yes, remember I how many I have, so. <laughs> I'm here for the ride. Lay them on me. <laughs> so I have this one and then another one. Oh. Um, so one thing, an interesting thing, is that black egg kids are very popular in England. They're a thing. Love that for them. Yeah. England, you need a new hobby. <laughs> <laughs> so Lee Brickley, he is an investigator. Um, those are the shit that I didn't pay attention to. But he investigates Love- paranormal <laughs> stuff. What is relevant to us is that. So we only care about the things about you that are interesting to us. Otherwise, (laughs) we don't care. No thanks. Uh, So he recounted a time uh, in 2014 where he investigated a 
an area called Kinnick Chase. Kinnock? Kinnick? I don't know. Kana? How do you spell it? C A N N O C K. Kanak. 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 Oh, jeez. It's, it's fine. You're French. It's okay. <laughs> so he investigated there, uh, which is in England. Uh, and there's been multiple sayings of BKs there. Or could he One saying that. Sorry, I'm still thinking about this. I need to stop. <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> Stephanie. Wait, it's okay. <laughs> Um, specifically what brought him to that is that there is a sighting uh, where a woman and a daughter were walking at night and they apparently ran into a black eyed child and what happened is that they were again walking at night don't know why shouldn't, shouldn't walk at night um, and they heard That's screams it. oh god what they did is they went to the screams what they should have done is went the other way no, we help people, Stephanie. No, we don't. Okay. We stay alive. Oh, God. So, <laughs> so they're um, walking towards the screams. And they see a young child just in the middle of the sidewalk. So the mother runs up to the kid and asks if she's okay, if she's the one screaming. And while this is all happening, the little girl is covering her eyes with her hands. And then as the mom is asking her, are you okay? She just drops them and looks at the mom with at the mom. With completely black eyes. She's the like, mom, I am, but you're not. <laughs> <laughs> Again, why we don't help people. Stay alive. I would have listened when I did my first aid course, and they're like, the one thing you need to be sure is that you stay alive to help people. I like took that to the core. I know, and we to agree, but you can still help people and not die. <laughs> I mean, it's too much of a chance. Okay. <laughs> I have a son at home. Need to come back to him for him to ignore me. So yeah. Lewis is gonna have to be an orphan and grow up to become the next Batman. So <laughs> So mom jumps up and like grabs her daughter and like I don't know why she didn't start running, but she just like backed up. And when she looked to look at the kid again, kid vanished. Was boom gone. <laughs> Poof. <laughs> Poof. <laughs> Um, and Brinkley was very interest- interesting in the story because he said that his aunt had seen the same girl 30 years ago in the same area too. So her aunt, again, her story is that she was walking at night. Don't know why that's still a thing. Uh, or that was a thing. I wish we could because like we should be able to. But awful, awful people. You know, that. I have bears and coyotes here. so That's true. Nature doesn't want me outside. <laughs> just hide in your eyes. We're <laughs> safe. The pandemic was actually just like a break for stuff. She was like, thank yeah. fuck. <laughs> yeah. So um, Anne is walking and is hearing sobbing at night. And she's trying to look for the source of the sobbing. And she finds a young girl that looks to be around the age of six. And that she, like, she kneels down and sees this girl just, you know, like, hiding her face. Uh, and she checks in on her and the girl looks up, completely black eyes. But then as the girl looks at the ant, she runs off into the woods. What ant does is she calls the cops. And she says, there's this kid. She's six. She she looks me around six. She's sobbing. She ran into the, the woods. So they've done, at that point, did a huge police search to try to find this child. Uh, and of course, 
didn't find anything. Don't know why the black guys didn't cure her in, but they did not cure her. My God. So Berkeley was very interesting with this because he thinks uh, I'll go down into like theories after this one last story I have. Uh, he said that in that era in the 1960s, there was a murder of three young local school girls. And they think that the girl that people are seeing, the black-eyed child, could be a ghost of one of those girls. So that's why he's very interested in it and had done an investigation. Um, I'm not talking about the investigation because I didn't. there isn't that much about it on the internet. Um, but yeah, that's one story. Jesus. No. Yes. Now the best one. <laughs> okay so don't know the date but this happened in a small town in vermont oh geez milo Milo has a strong opinion about this he's like uh vermont can you not you're supposed to be for skiing and bernie sanders (laughs) and that's it no danger whatsoever so we're gonna power through while he screams at us Um, (laughs) you only need one of us barking that book yeah so (laughs) What is he so mad at? Probably my dad is running after him. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to mute myself for a second. That's really funny. Well, Steph's muted. Let me talk to you guys about... I don't know. I wish I had something funny to talk about. Oh, did you know you still have time to submit listener stories to us? You can submit them to us at cvopodcast at gmail.com. Thanks. That's still on mute. That's all the material I had prepared, even though I had nothing prepared. Um, well, what else is there? Did you guys I'm know back. that the black-eyed kids uh, are the one of the only things that actually unsettles me? To compare my two worst fears, things with eyes and children. And now back <laughs> to Stephanie. <laughs> um, so Milo is very upset because my mom and my dad are in the basement and he cannot get access to his two favorite people oh sad <laughs> I called him into the room but doesn't give a shit he's like so. fuck you mother <laughs> <laughs> so he's always keeps keep screaming at one point we'll just ignore him that's fine I have lots of material to go with apparently <laughs> um, alright so Vermont one evening, a so there's an elderly couple, uh, they're just chilling at night, and they heard three knocks at the door. Uh, they answered and saw a young boy and a young girl staying there, and the boy said, our parents will be here soon, may we come in? The couple hesitated, but they left, they let them inside of their house. Don't know why. Well, they're uh, children. <laughs> oh, I'd be like, okay, cool, they'll be here soon, driveway's over there. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Stephanie to get eaten by a bear at your house if you did that. Well, then that's their parents' responsibility. It's not mine. Oh my god. <laughs> and their parents are going to be here soon. You're evil. No, I'm not. This is why ghosts, this is why ghosts are... taunt you, Stephanie. <laughs> the kids are you. evil, not me. Okay. Let me show you why. You go my oh way. God. So the wife tells them to uh, go sit on the couch and she going to make them some hot chocolate. Yes, uh-huh. like a nice person does. Yeah, well, didn't turn out great for her, as you will see. <laughs> oh, God. So she goes and makes some hot chocolate, goes back, comes back to the living room, and she knows that her cat is, like, acting very angry at the kids and also scared of them. 
And the second she gets back, the kids look at her and say, may we please use the restroom? And as they said that, she noticed they're completely black eyes. So she tells them where the bathroom is. And she looks at her husband to say, like, hey, have you freaking noticed? But she knows that he had his his hands were covering his face and he lowered them. And his nose was blush, like gushing blood. So she like puts the hot chocolate away, goes to help them, and then boom, power goes out. Okay. <clears throat> um, so she leaves her husband to deal with his issues. You don't <laughs> stick together. <laughs> and she makes her way to the restroom to find the kids. And as she walks her, she's they're like suddenly at the other end of the hallway, and they like she sees them, their shadow, and they say. Our parents are here. And they walk to the front door and leave it wide open. And then walk down the driveway and there's a car there with two men just standing in front of the car watching into the house. She waved at them to be like, hey, your kids are safe. Didn't wave back. They were rude. The four of them get into the car and leave. The second they leave, power comes back on. Oh, oh. Aren't they supposed to be the men in black that they saw picking up the black-eyed kids? So there's this a like, interesting theory with the men in black. Yeah, like they are tied so, to Mothman and all sorts of cool stuff. Yeah. Also, some people believe that men in black are actually black-eyed kids growing up. Oh, because they always wear sunglasses too. Mm-hmm. And especially when some of them describe them as like olive skin, apparently that's like uh, like general description of black eyed men in black, they usually have olive skin. Apparently, really? I haven't looked into this. Yeah, They're I've Sicilian. just like from mm-hmm. so apparently it's just the next level up in their career. So just black eyed child, up. yeah, men in black. Um, so Para goes back on, and a couple thinks that that's the end of it, but it is not. In the following weeks of that interaction, they've had extreme bad luck. Three oh out God. of their four cats went missing. <gasps> not the kitties. That's not fair. The fourth one, they found their fourth cat drowned in their pool. <gasps> and the husband from that night kept having nosebleeds. And they were so intense that he decided to go see a doctor. And he was diagnosed with a severe case of skin cancer. <gasps> If they would have done what I would have done, cats would have still been alive. Oh my god. Kitties. Yeah. Kitties don't deserve that. Cats are secretly so sweet. I know. So only, honestly, I kept like, so this is my last story. Um, There's a bajillion. And if we wanted to do like a part two of this, like we would have so much material to do this for. Um, but there's different theories as to what exactly the black eyed kids are. So one of the bigger one of the main ones is aliens. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> that tracks. <laughs> and they say people say that they're aliens because A, they don't fit in. And like two, they're just kind of like they show up to kind of ch- like they don't do anything. They just come and sit in your house and they look like they're trying to get intel on humans. Kind of like pulling a Jane Goodall. We're the mm-hmm. chimps. Mm-hmm. 
uh and they're like that's why like what they're wearing isn't like doesn't make sense or they say weird shit or like aliens is a big one another one vampires <laughs> and that's why they keep asking to be invited in because you know vampires they can't just come in you have to invite them in um so that's another theory another fun one another one demons um people it's think that <laughs> people think that black eyed kids are the offspring of satan and by inviting them in your house you are basically inviting the demon inside of your house so for you criticizing me earlier for not inviting children in the house that's why um what other also <laughs> it's like <laughs> um people also say that they're just ghosts uh, of like murdered children or children that have died for multiple reasons and they just come back at black eyed children um there's also like there's not much about it but i did found there's one legend that said that children who murdered their families would turn into black eyed kids which oh I, yeah but i didn't find that much information specifically on this Jesus. now for the skeptics of you um people say that it's basically like an urban legend pulling on our fear of evil kids because we're like genetically designed to help kids that's our that thing and the fact that they're evil is like even scary because there's that need to help them but then you're like it's gonna kill me if i do so that's like there's turmoil and also with the eyes there's a big genetically like the eyes are like the windows to the soul that's the one thing we look at and whenever the eyes are obscure you are more creeped out because you can't really see uh, so that's why they have black eyes and so there's that oh totally. explanation. yeah well and it's crazy so like like you said like us being like pre like pre-programmed to like respond to kids mm-hmm. people will literally use recordings of like babies crying to lure women out of apartments to attack yeah them. Mm-hmm. so scary i know so that is the black eye kids not to be That's... confused with black eyed peas yeah <laughs> fergie and uh will i am and avl the app i can't remember the other one what's his name i have no idea don't we in any case it? the talent the talented group yes uh <laughs> are not affiliated <laughs> with these little demon creatures so yeah Jesus. So what I have for you. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I don't believe in them, like most things. But uh, if I were to encounter one, I'm pretty confident my initial reaction would be like, "Do you have a medical thing? Like, what's going on? Why are your people's all black? We need to get it." To so you. one person, I think it was the lady from the parking lot. Um, she googled it because she like she also was like, "No, the kids were sick," uh, and she tried to find a disease that would explain the black eyes, and she couldn't find anything. Oh, I didn't I do like, research uh, to see Samantha. <laughs> I'd be like, "Same, ask your dad, <laughs> Doctor B. What's up?" So someone else tried, and they apparently that's not a medical thing. If there is, if there, if someone actually finds like a very obscure ophthalmological, ophthalmological, I can't talk. Oh wow, ophthalmological thing. Mm-hmm. Please let us know. That's very interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. Jeez, Louise, it's terrifying <clears throat> stuff. <laughs> thanks for keeping me up at night no round five <laughs> i didn't need for. to sleep anyways <laughs> jesus <laughs> all okay. right 
your turn. I think I also have a long one. This is going to be a mountain of an episode, guys. Uh, so go get a snack, pause us, and come back. And we're going to talk about the Love Pass. Ooh. So I just learned of this. Apparently, it's like a famous thing. I literally learned about it on like TikTok. <laughs> like, <laughs> Good old TikTok. TikTok, you Gen Zers are just, I'm learning so much from you young kids. I swear <laughs> to God. It's so fascinating. My goodness gracious. <laughs> so this uh i'm not gonna tell you entirely what it's about until i get into the story because i'd rather let it happen organically okay. um it is the subject of many conspiracy theories um mm. and as anything as you may guess like dad love is russian as anything that comes out of russia there's always that kind of like well like how much can we really know like is russia is such a closed um society when it comes to information yeah so Let's get into it. Okay. So shout out to the New Yorker, Vox, and uh, mostly Wikipedia, because like where else do I get information? Um, for helping a girl out with this. Um, as I perused your analysis of information. Um, so in 1959, a skiing exhibition uh, started off to go across the northern Urals in Sverdlovsk Oblast, which is in the so which was in the Soviet Union at the time. Um, so, according to one of the prosecutors involved, because things didn't go well, <laughs> um, <laughs> some information that was found in the tent of the expedition indicated that the expedition was named for the 21st Congress of the Communist Party of the Soviet Union. So it was named after a very important uh, moment in history and mm -hmm. was likely dispatched by the local Komosomol organization. Okay. So Igor Dyatlov, which is uh, the namesake of the Dyatlov Pass, was a 23-year-old radio engineering student. I could, I could be wrong, but that was my understanding, actually, at the okay. Ural Polytechnic Institute, which is now the Ural Federal University. The Urals are being like the mountains up there. Okay. Mm -hmm. and he basically group not basically he assembled a group of nine people to join him on this trip and the bulk of which were students and his peers at the university so each person in the group uh which was eight men and two women was like a very experienced hiker so they were grade two which indicates like a lot of like ski tour experience hiking experience and they would be moving up to grade three um, within like the hiker certificate tiers uh, when they finished their hike and their expedition. So at the time within like that system of governance, the grade three tier was the highest certification level available in the Soviet Union. So you would have to have traversed um, 300 kilometers of expedition, which through like that kind of terrain is quite a monumental feat. Yeah. So um, the route was designed by like the outlet and his expedition to reach the far northern regions of Sverdl Skoblast and the upper streams of the Laws of a river. So really trying to like get up into the um, like that wilderness. So there's <laughs> Okay. So as many expeditions, it had to go through a period of approvals and it was approved by the Sverdlovsk City Route Commission and off they went. Uh, 
one thing to keep in mind though is that this route that they undertook was estimated as a category three which doesn't mean anything to us uh but uh to them means it was the most difficult time to traverse because it was in february so it was like, not going to be easy because people are crazy oh still that side stay home i know <laughs> i know and uh so it was gonna be a, like a 300 kilometer expedition right so the incident uh which I'm just going to say as the incident for now, mm -hmm. uh, occurred 10 kilometers north of the site where, like, uh, oh, sorry, the goal was 10 kilometers north of, like, where things went wrong. Okay, so they almost got there. Didn't make it. Yeah, 10 mm -hmm. KOA, that's not far. That's, like, like not, 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 not that far. Like, yeah. you and I could hike a 10K. Could we, In, though? like, a day. We wouldn't, we wouldn't, but we could. It would not be fun. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So on January 23rd, the group uh, was given their route book, which is basically like the kind of expedition plan, uh, which listed their course as following the number five trail. So it was an existing trail that they're going to go. So the Sverdlovsk City Committee of Physical Culture and Sport listed approval for 11 people. So the 11th person who was going to go on the trip uh, was uh, Semen Zolotaryov, who um, was previously certified. So another like very experienced person. Okay. So the group arrived by train uh, at Ivdel, which is a town at the center of the northern province of Svidal Oblast in the early mornings of January 25th, 1959. Mm -hmm. They then, then took a truck to another village, which is the last inhabited settlement to the north. So quite up in the northern uh, part of Russia, up in the Urals. Um, so while spending the night in that village, which is called Vizai, they basically carb-loaded, <laughs> as I do every day. <laughs> but they got a bunch of bread, <laughs> ate it, get their energy ready. They were excited. They had a really monumental trek ahead of them. It was going to be great. Um, so then on the 27th of January, they started their trek towards Gora Otorin, uh, and on the 28th, uh, what, so the next day, one of the members named Yuri Yudin, what a great name, uh, mm -hmm. who unfortunately had some chronic health issues, so they were living with rheumatism and congenital heart defects, had to so turn back. So why did back. they go? Well, okay. they ended up turning back. Yeah. <laughs> Turns out not a bad thing to do. Um, <laughs> so they turned back due to knee and joint pain that made him unable to continue the hike. Diaries and cameras found around their last campsite made it possible to track the group's route up to the day preceding the incident. Oh, that must be creepy. So, I know. So on January 31st, the group arrived at the edge of a highland area and began to prepare for climbing. In a wooden valley, they, cached, they uh, basically packed up like all their extra food and equipment and got, got, got ready for the return trip. Mm -hmm. And the next day, they started to move through the pass. We think that they plan to get over the pass and make camp for the next night on the opposite side of it. But the weather started to take a turn. So yeah. snowstorms started to decrease visibility. And they ended up losing their direction. And they deviated west towards the top of Kolatsiakil, which is a big, big hill. 
Um, mm -hmm. When they realized their mistake, we think that the group started to set up camp there on the slope of the mountain rather than move one and a half K downhill to a forested area. <sighs> the challenge is that like, if they'd actually gone to that forested area, they would have actually had more shelter from the weather. So Yuri Yudin, who we know left the group, thinks that Dyatlov probably didn't want to lose the altitude they'd gained, or he decided to practice camping on the mountain slope. <laughs> what a good decision. Um, before starting off an expedition and leaving, uh, Dyatlov, who we know is like the group leader, had agreed that he would send a telegram to their sports club back at the university as soon as the group got back to the Vizai, which was that last village that they were in. And they expected that it would happen before the 12th of February. So like at the very latest 12th of February, just in time for Valentine's day. Um, but Dialov had told Yudin before he departed the group that he figured it would then be longer because I guess at that point they would have had a better sense of what the conditions were. So once they got to the 12th of February and no messages had been received because like Yudin had been told by Dialov, like, listen, it's going to be longer. There was no immediate like, reaction or anything like that because delays especially being told that yeah. like, delays were common if you're going mm -hmm. off into the fucking mountains right like they're like well they're on the mountains it's taking a while <laughs> so february 20th rolls up and the travelers relatives are like um you guys gotta do something it's like eight days after they were supposed to be back so they were oh like you God. gotta fucking stage a rescue thank you yeah moms and dads so the head of the institute sent the first rescue groups, which were basically volunteer students and teachers. Uh, later, the army and militia, uh, sorry, militia, wow, I struggle. So the <laughs> police forces became involved. And then they finally got like planes and helicopters ordered to join in. Keep in mind, though, this is 1959. So it's not like we're dealing with like the modern yeah. surveying technology that we have now, right? Like the mm -hmm. kind of sophisticated drones that you can use. So on the 26th of February, uh, the search party found the group's abandoned and badly damaged tent on Kolatsiyako. Oh, shit. The campsite is described as baffling to the search party. So the student who found the tent was named Mikhail Sharvin, and he basically, and he said, the tent was half torn down and covered in snow. It was empty, and all the group's belongings and shoes had been left behind. Their shoes? Yep. So investigators said that the tent had been cut open from the inside. So nine sets of footprints left by people wearing only socks or a single shoe or even barefoot could be followed. And they led down to the edge of a nearby wood on the opposite side of the pass, which was then one and a half kilometers to the northeast. If they'd only camped that same distance down the hill, maybe they would have survived. Um, after 500 meters, these tracks were covered with snow, so they could no longer follow them. Fuck. So the edge of the forest, uh, under a large tree, they did find the visible remains of a small fire. So we know that at least some people made it that far. And that's where they also found the first two bodies of uh, Krivonyshenko and Doroshenko. And they were shoeless and dressed only in underwear. Oh, no. I know. So the branches Sorry. of the tree were broken up to five meters high, which kind of leads us to believe that at least one of them had tried to look like climb up the tree to maybe get like a view or like see where the camp was or otherwise survey the area. 
Um, between that tree and the camp, the searches did find three more corpses. So they found Dyatlov, Komogoro, uh, Komogorova, and Slobodin, who died uh, in poses that, like, in basically, like, their bodies were indicating that they're trying to get towards the tent. And they were found at distances of 300, 480, and 630 meters from the tree. So not far. Yeah. So finding the remaining travelers took another two months, or took more than two months, I should say. Oh, wow. They were finally found on May 4th under four meters of snow in a ravine that was uh, 75 meters further into the woods than that other tree. So not much farther. Uh, mm-hmm. Three of the four were uh, like in better snow wearing or like survival based clothing than the others and like more dressed to the weather. And there were signs that some of the clothing of people who died first had been removed for use by the others. So like as people died, others would put on their stuff. Okay. Uh, Dubinina was wearing uh, Krivanchenko's burned crown, like torn up pants and her left foot and shin were wrapped in a torn jacket um so as soon as the first five bodies were found a legal inquest started mm-hmm. obviously so in medical so they fought for the like last the like last two murdered the five was they that the general know. idea at that point uh they don't know at that point oh. they had no fucking idea they were like okay. what the fuck is going on so a medical examination determined that no injuries would have led to their deaths. So they assumed that all of them died of hypothermia. Okay. Um, Slobodin did have a small crack in his skull, but they didn't think it would be a fatal wound. Okay. So in May, uh, or sorry, the examination of the bodies that are found in May kind of shifted the narrative of oh. things. So three of them had fatal injuries. Thibaut Prignol had major skull damage. Hmm. Dubinina and Zalotaryov had major trust fractures. So that major what? Sorry. According, uh, had like major chest fractures. So like rib okay. injuries and things like that. Okay. I'm leading to think it's more like flail chest or like compression, but yeah. Uh. So according to one of the experts involved, the force required to cause such damage would have been like comparable to a car crash. So like a t- like an extreme amount of force. Or a Yeti. So, well, so <laughs> that or they would have had to be subjected to a high level of pressure. Okay. So those four bodies were found at the bottom of a creek in a running stream of water. So they had soft tissue damage to their head and face. So, for example, at the risk of being gross, Dubinina was missing her tongue, eyes, uh. part of her lips, I know, as well as facial tissue and a fragment of skull bone. <laughs> Zolotaryov had his eyeballs missing. No! Kalevatov, his eyebrows. His eyebrows? So, That's weird. His eyebrows were gone, I know. Like, they were plucked off or, like, the skin was gone? Just gone. The skin gone too. There was soft tissue damage. I know. So the for the forensic expert who did the post mortem judged that these injuries happened post mortem. So they happened after they died. So like probably animals. Well, so they initially thought 
that it was the Mansi people. So the Mansi people are the indigenous group of the area. And they thought that they had murdered them for encroaching on their lands. And the Mansi people who were inter- interrogated were like, no. <laughs> I mean, they <laughs> always do that. blame the indigenous people. A hundred percent. They get scapegoated. Like, obviously, it was a bird. And they're like, no, no, it was the indigenous. No. hundred percent. And... The other thing is that the investigation also indicated that the nature of deaths did not support that hypothesis at all. So yeah. the only footprints visible were the hikers' footprints, and they showed no sign of hand-to-hand struggle. Mm, so it's not like they yeah. fucking, like, teleported in and, like, did that. You never know these days. You never know. Yeah. Could be aliens. It could be. <laughs> so this... So this you'll like i'll explain why this makes sense but so yeah at the time the temperature would have been very low so like negative 25 to 30 celsius so for our americans that's 30 negative 13 to negative 22 fahrenheit and with a storm blowing and in spite of that the dead found were only partially dressed so some like for example some had like only one shoe and others were only wearing socks um and they were wrapped in like snips or ripped clothing that seemed to have been cut from those who were already dead okay I'll get into why that likely happened, but I'm first going to go through the inquest files kind of jot notes. Okay. Six of the group members, remember there are nine. So six died of hypothermia and three died of fatal injuries. Nothing indicated that like there was anyone else nearby apart from the nine travelers. The six killed the three. And then Carmen got them. Karma, <laughs> aka snow. Uh, the tent had been ripped open from within. The victims had died six to eight hours after their last meal. Okay. Evidence from the camp indicates that all of the group members left the campsite of their own volition and they traveled on foot. One of the victims' clothing had levels of radiation. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, one of the uh, experts investigating stated that the injuries of the three people could not have been caused by human beings. So the people who died <sighs> of like injuries. Uh, and his direct quote is because the force of the blows had been too strong and no soft tissue had been damaged. Fucking yeti. Um the documents that were released indicated that there was no condition of like they stated no condition of the internal organs which i find very weird yeah and there were obviously no survivors okay so when they wrapped up this initial uh investigation they tied a bow on it and just said um the group members had died because of a compelling a natural force and they ceased inquest in may 1959 (laughs) Because there's no guilty party to charge. Okay. Shit happened. It's over. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so. These are the theories. Uh-oh. First theory. Oh, hello, Lewis. Lewis, do you have a theory to share? He's like, yeah, it was oh, a Yeti. Goodness. Hello. Hi. You're just going to smell things so nice. So the first theory, which is the one I actually, you know what? I'm going to leave that for last because I think it's the one that's true. Okay. So 
So I don't want to tell you that one yet. So the second theory then. Second theory. (laughs) It's called a catabatic wind. Oh, that's fancy. What do you think it is? No idea. All right. Want to guess? (laughs) Uh, Catabatic? Is that what you said? It's... I have no idea. Oh. So it's like a it's like a wind burst kind of that's like in extremely like dumbed down terms. Some like poor meteorologist out there listening is like you're not giving it uh, any sort of. But it's like <laughs> so a it's big like gust a, of boom. wind, kind of okay. yeah. And uh, they're they're like super violent and there's relatively rare. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> Lewis, <laughs> big sneeze. So in in 2019, a Swedish. <laughs> Lewis, this is not the time. You hear him? Yes. <laughs> Lewis. So happens when we record virtual, well, not virtually. Are you a Lewis? Are you a catabatic wind? Yes, he is. He's demonstrating oh, wow. for the people. Yeah, he's like, let me claw your carpet and growl at you. <laughs> <laughs> so in 2019, there was a joint expedition that was made to the site by the Swedish and the Russians. So wow wow no hi please don't stand on my laptop uh he recently did this and like took off the frame for my screen and i was pretty convinced my laptop was broken it was very anxiety inducing because i don't want to buy a new laptop lewis can you hear him breathing yes it's yeah. so aggressive. He's okay. like, is this creepy? He's adding to the vibes. Lewis, I'm trying to talk about the expedition in 2019. He's like, I'm gonna fuck out poop. <laughs> 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 oh my god, stop. <laughs> what are you doing? Okay. So basically the Swedes and the Russians went up and they were like, it could be a catabatic wind. <laughs> uh, and they also thought this because in 1978 there was a case at the Anaris Mountains in Sweden where eight hikers were killed and one was severely injured in the aftermath of a catabatic wind because they're okay. so forceful. It's like a mini burst of like hurricane winds, oh, okay, okay. basically on typically in like a mountainous area. So like it's fucking violent. Yeah. So, okay, but if sudden, it was that, they would just wouldn't they not just stay in the tent? Well, so like, they wouldn't have been able to stay in, in the, the tent. tent. They wouldn't be able to because the tent could get blown away. So suddenly it's like fucking off to us. <laughs> like, okay. like just yeah. <laughs> so like in the set, like in the event of a catabatic wind, and they would have been trained to deal with that because they were super experienced, right? Yeah. Um the most rational course of action would have been for them to cover the tent with snow and then seek shelter behind the train line. Because the trees that obviously okay. break up the wind. Yeah. Um, and on top of the tent, there's also a torch left turned on, maybe intentionally, so the hikers could find their way back to the tent. Once that the wind subsided. Yeah. Okay. So the expedition basically hypothesized that the group of hikers um, constructed two bivouac shelters, one of which collapsed, which left four of the hikers with severe injuries observed. Okay. And the bivouac, for those who don't know, is like a little like kind of like an igloo. Like it's a little mound of snow that mm. you build into a wee house. Actually, in Gord, I didn't know the word. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. A oh, shelter. Yeah. so the next theory is called infrasound so uh donnie aker wrote a book in 2013 called dead mountain uh which touches on this uh 
and he popularized it in this book and it's yeah it's an infrasound so <laughs> lewis that's extremely rude he demonstrated again <laughs> i don't know why he's being like this there are two other adults in this house who can help you go on um so his hypothesis is that wind going around that mountain created a uh, Carmen Vortex Street, which can produce infrasound capable of inducing panic attacks in humans. So it's oh. like, yeah. Okay. So he thinks it like made them go wild. So the infrasound generated by the wind as it passed over the mountain was responsible in his view for making them experience physical discomfort and then extreme mental distress and like put them into a panic. Okay, but so how would you pan- prove that the sound was there? Well, well you don't. <laughs> <laughs> you hypothesize and you leave it there. Uh, <laughs> and he claims that they panicked and they were driven to leave the tent by whatever means necessary. And they basically fled down the slope. So okay. by the time they were down the hill, they would have likely been out of the path of this infrasound. I'm, you can see I'm doing, you can't see, but I'm doing like those like air quotes. Path, okay. and then they would have kind of like regained their composure but be like it would have been fucking dark out <laughs> they would have been like well i don't know how we get it back Fuck. um and he thinks that the traumatic injuries that they suffered like the three of them were a result of them stumbling over the edge of a ravine in the darkness and landing on rocks at the bottom uh, okay okay so i know another <laughs> theory yeah i don't think it's infrasound myself Another is that it could have been military tests. Oh. So we don't know that the Soviet Union did all sorts of um, not great things. Yeah. Uh, and one, uh, can't, like, one theory speculates that the campsite was within the past, like it was in the past, sorry, of a Soviet parachute mine exercise. Okay. And that this theory uh, basically put, uh, hypothesizes that the hikers would have been woken up by like the sounds of fucking bombs mm-hmm. <laughs> i know lewis it's very sad and that some members would have frozen to death because they fucking fled the tent thinking things were exploding okay uh, and um we're trying to like escape this bombardment mm-hmm. so some members would have then froze to death trying to like endure it and others took their clothing only to be fatally injured by subsequent parachute mine commissions. Can and... there not be like a shit ton of evidence of a bomb? Like the aftermath is pretty visible, is it not? So the thing with parachute mines is that they do they detonate while still in the air rather than striking the surface of the earth. Uh, okay. Yeah. So so they do produce similar injuries like as to like what would have been suffered by the hikers who did have physical injuries like tons of internal damage but not a lot of soft tissue damage because it's like force right like mm-hmm. it's kind of like if you're falling and stop really suddenly from a great height like yeah um so it does have some backing because the theory does coincide with like some reported uh glowing and orange orbs floating or falling from the sky that were in the same area as the height could be ufos though so it could be. Uh, <laughs> some people did allegedly take uh, photographs of it. Okay. And 
there's like the potential merit it was a military aircraft or descending parachute mines. Okay. So this theory, uh, like four out of five, like probably just prostrate that like there were scavenging animals that did cause a lot of those like soft tissue damages of like you know like people are missing their fucking eyes and tongues and stuff. Yeah. But yeah. Gross. Yeah, I didn't. I I don't mm-hmm. totally believe it. Okay. So this one I totally believe. Oh. Um, it's called paradoxical undressing. So well, it's actually one. It it would have been in your first aid course. Do you remember it at all? Oh, oh yeah. It's okay that you don't. <laughs> it's it's t- it's okay that you don't. So I mean, when people get hypothermia, particularly oh, late okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they it's called paradoxical undressing. So you like they overheat. Rem- you feel like yeah. you're overheating, so you under under like you get naked. Exactly. But it's not true. It's your body lying to you. Exactly. So <laughs> it is wholly undisputed that six died of hypothermia. And yeah. they would have totally potentially gone through hyper- like paradoxical undressing. Um yeah. however, did like of the group there was three uh, oh, of that group, sorry. There were people within that six that died that did put on more clothing from those who had already died. Mm-hmm. So they would have been at least in a sound enough mind to try to add layers. And the other piece is that, like, obviously, like those kind of situations, like, no one, no, people don't always have the exact same symptoms. So I still think it's possible. I think that shit happened. So the three that were like beat up, they cut their way out of the tent the six chased them they outran the six no the six caught up to them murdered them and then karma got them and they got hyperformia okay well that's not entirely <laughs> it but i love your enthusiasm that's exactly I think what happened a breath of fresh air or a um, yeti or alternatively an avalanche Ugh, so it's boring in july 2020 uh, it was announced that the official cause of death for the group was an avalanche. And this hmm. was made by Andre Kuyatov. Um, I keep trying to say that with like a French accent. I'm sorry. Apparently <laughs> uh, who's the deputy head of the Ural's federal district directorate of the prosecutor general's office. So he's a senior guy making senior decisions. Okay. So afterwards, and this is like very contemporary because that's July last year, right? Mm-hmm. So there was later a independent computer simulation that was done by Swiss researchers, and they also were like, it's an, av- it's an avalanche. It's not. And to me, it makes a ton of sense, because like at this point, it's no longer like a nonsensical. They're like, open the tent, let's run naked through the... <laughs> not naked, but like, yeah. let's run in our stuff through the wilderness. If you're an experienced hiker you know the sound of an avalanche. Mm-hmm. Because, like, when a snow slab cracks, it makes huge cracks and rumbles. But what if, uh, like, if there was an avalanche, would it not taking the tent? Potentially. Like, but you the can tent hear an avalanche. That's not, so you can hear one that's not even going to hit you, though. So, like... Uh, oh, they just thought it was hitting them. Yeah. So, like, oh, they okay, think okay. that it would have, like, made loud cracks and those rumbles. And then, like, some snow would have gone through the tent. Even if it's, mm-hmm. like, far away, like, you can still have, like, some snow shifting, even if it's not within that immediate avalanche. Mm-hmm. And they might have thought the avalanche was, like, imminent. Okay. So they made an error in, they, in like, where they placed their tent. But everything 
like sorry they made an error in the placement of their tenth, but everything else was like textbook okay. um so they did would have done like an emergency evacuation to the ground that would be safe from an avalanche they took shelter in the woods started a fire and they dug out a snow cave so mm-hmm. what's so sad is that like people who were less experienced and who might have tried to like stay by the tent dug like dug it out and then likely survived Hmm. and the other piece like is that like if you're hiking and you're in the winter um like <laughs> lewis is barking in the like distance he's really fired up it's okay lewis i'm almost done <laughs> uh in the winter like that's your biggest hazard on a mountain is an avalanche and if you're an yeah. experienced hiker like you know that you know it was likely it. their experience that killed them hmm that's sad so sad so like this is like a really good quote from uh a guy who's and he's saying this and he's like just so serendipitously he's reviewing as what's described as a sensationalist yeti hypothesis (laughs) (laughs) yes but but, uh, i will i will deviate to the words of benjamin rutherford who is an american skeptic author so the group woke up in a panic and cut their way out of the tent because an avalanche had covered their entrance to the tent or because they were scared that an avalanche was imminent. You know, it's better to have a potentially repairable slit in a tent than risk being buried alive under tons of snow. They were poorly clothed because they had been sleeping and ran to the safety of the nearby woods where trees would help slow oncoming snow. In the darkness of night, they got separated into two or three groups. One group made a fire, hence the burned hands. Oh, sorry. Yeah, some of them had burnt hands. <laughs> <My bad. laughs> what? <laughs> what? Well, others tried to return to the tent to recover their clothing since the danger had passed, but it was too cold, and they all froze to death before they could locate their tent in the darkness. Mm. At some point, some of the clothes may have been recovered or swapped from the dead, but at any rate, the group of four, whose bodies were most severely damaged, were caught in the avalanche and buried under four meters of snow, which is way more than enough necessary to like meet that immense pressure mm-hmm. and force that was described previously yeah uh and we assume like and he says dabinina's tongue was likely removed by scavengers or ordinary yeah. predation <sighs> i know oh that was depressing but yeah such a set creepy and fascinating mm-hmm. story all that to say Apparently, don't be experts. It'll get you killed. I'm kidding. Don't do that. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's why, like, these days we have um, those, like, little chips in, like, your ski jackets and stuff that you could, they can use to find you. Very interesting. Yeah. When you had told me the title first, it, like, didn't come to mind. But now that I was like, yeah, I remember hearing about this. I never had. It was like, oh, really? <laughs> the dogs. I've had enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, I'd never heard of it okay i think yeah. uh and that's why we drink they covered it in one episode but I, oh did I they yeah no uh, oh well my christine aren't you Icons, not legends. a true fan <laughs> i love them don't say that don't take it back <laughs> yeah very different things one thing definitely happened and the other you know was on the mountain for so. sure happened <laughs> <laughs> oh my god well, guys, yeah, this is a good one. A long yeah. one. Yeah, I like that our like first October episode is like extra long. Yes, and we have spooky stuff coming. 
Because it's October, mm-hmm. the favorite time of the year. Some surprises. Mm-hmm. Alrighty. Well, guys, thanks for arriving with us. Yes. Keep it creepy. Reach out to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, like and subscribe for more content. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Hashtag, <plus>. Hashtag besties. <laughs> um, and yeah, engage with us. Stephanie works yes. very hard on our social media. I do not think to support her with it, but I like that work she does. You do the editing, so you do the hardest part. Oh, I that's true. Social media. I have very little editing anymore. <laughs> I'm just like, ah, it's well good done. enough. <laughs> Come yeah, Good job, Emma and Steph. Uh, all right. Oh let's go. Right, guys. Chill with our screaming dogs. All right, guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Creepy Vibes Only. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook by searching for Creepy Vibes Only Podcasts. We absolutely appreciate and love your support, and you can do so by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribing to the show wherever you listen. If you wish to get in touch with us, you can send us an email at cvopodcast at gmail.com or leave us a voice message on our podcast's page on Anchor. We will talk to you in two weeks. Bye! Yay!